Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged as you listen today. What a privilege it is to share with you. Uh, what I'm going to do tonight is share a message I've shared a couple of years ago. And uh, it's one of those messages that when I shared it, people said, man, it's, it's one of those messages that need to be shared every year. And I, I haven't done that, but I do think it's worth just dusting off and sharing. Uh, when I did share it last time, it was very close to Christmas. And they said, I wish you'd shared this about a month ago because it really would have helped me. And a few other people said that. And so I've kind of dusted this message off, reworked it a little bit, uh, and hopefully... Uh, you'll find it as helpful the second time if uh, you're hearing it for the second time. Um, If you're hearing it for the first time, I hope it will help you. And it's simply a message I've entitled, Don't Let uh, Christmas Make a Turkey Out of You. Don't let Christmas make a turkey out of you. And because of this incredible set design that we have up here, we have lost our middle screen, which means you have no PowerPoint to follow. So you're going to have to listen up again tonight. Okay. So the title of my message is simply this, Don't Let Christmas Make a Turkey Out of You. I'm playing on the word turkey because a lot of people have turkeys for Christmas. You got it? See, if I had a PowerPoint, I would have had a big picture of a turkey. You would have said, oh, that's so good. It's a play on words. It's clever. But without the picture, you might not have got that. So I'm just spelling it out. So turn to the person next to you and say, he's talking about a turkey, like not being silly, but, but he's also talking about a turkey because that's what we eat. And, and say, so just talk amongst yourselves or whatever. I don't, whatever, whatever. Just talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to have a drink and... People often think I drink a lot of water, but what you don't know, it's actually vodka, so cheers. That's why as a, as a preach goes on, I slur my words and I get... Getting full of the Spirit of God, there we go, that's right, Norm, or Bruce, or whoever said that, I don't know. <laughs> I think it was Bruce, I think it was Bruce, cheers. It's just for medicinal purposes, I've got a sore throat. It's it's just water. George, it's water. It's okay. Water, George. It's water. It's going to be one of those nights. George, here's my bouncer. Stand up here. George, stand up. This is George. Everyone say hi to George. If you mess around one more time, Emmerich, I'm getting George to chuck you out of here. I don't know. I don't know who it was, but I just want to see George throw somebody out and I pick you. (laughs) Anyway, let me get back to my notes. Christmas is a great time of year. I personally love it. That's what I wrote down here. (laughs) Because it's summer, because it's family, there's holidays, food, and most of all presents. I wrote that down there. So just sticking to my notes. You like that? I added that on the last one. I I didn't share that last time, so getting that for nothing. I've reworked my message, it's awesome. Do you want to write that down? No, but seriously, who loves Christmas? Who loves the summer, the hot summer? Who loves the holidays? Who loves the food? Turkey, get it, turkey. Who loves the cricket? Just pray there's no more rain, Lord. We need a nice sunny day tomorrow in Jesus' name so we can clean up the palms. Cricket, what else? Presents? I, I, I 
Personally, I don't just say this because I wrote it down. I actually believe this. I personally love Christmas time. I think it's fantastic. And uh, again, you get together with your family, which is, is that good? Or is that kind of, cheery's out on that one. Family, yeah, next point. Sean says next point. Uh, Kester was going, <laughs> don't ask me, don't ask me, move along. He's not talking about his family, he's talking about the other... But as good as Christmas is, it's also commonly known as the silly season. You know where I'm going with that. Awesome. And uh, the reason it's known as the silly season is because people get silly. So like they, they, just, they just act crazy. Sane people act insane at Christmas time. So there's all this good going for Christmas. You know, the summer, the cricket, the holidays, the food, the jury's out about family, but you know, give a take on that one. But then there's all this silliness that goes on. And the closer it gets to Christmas, the more road rage there is. And it's not just road rage anymore, there's shopping trolley rage. And there's the, the last gift on the rack rage. It's mine, it's mine, it's mine. You know, that just kind of gets crazy. And the adverts are just, you know, full board, just telling us we need this. And, and if you don't have that, you're going to die. And if you don't have this, I mean, this is the best thing ever. And you've got to have the latest iPad. In actual fact, they reckon this year, the number one present for all wives is going to be the old version of the iPad. <laughs> so be blessed, all you wives out there. Did I let the cat out the bag there, Sean? Sorry, I probably should have kept that to ourselves as men, but anyway. So, honey, I got you an iPad. Doesn't that look like your old one? No, not at all. And so it gets silly. Uh, not only that, loneliness, depression, and suicide all spike over the Christmas period. And so you've got this kind of Dilemma, there's all this good going on at Christmas and then there's all this ugliness that goes on with Christmas and the jury's out as to whether Christmas is a good time of year or not. And uh, I, I want to share tonight uh, some things and some areas that will help us stay on track at Christmas. I believe Christianity should not only be spiritual, but it should also be practical. It never ceases to amaze me. The man that wrote most of the New Testament, his name was Paul. He was one of the greatest apostles. He saw some incredible things. He wrote about them. He was taken up to the third heaven on one occasion and saw things that he couldn't even write about. They were just so beyond description. He was just had this incredible revelation and visitation. That's Paul at one level. And then at another level, he's incredibly practical, incredibly down to earth. And I think that's Christianity. I think it's spiritual and it's practical. If your Christianity is not practical, it's probably not biblical. In actual fact, Jesus came to show us what God intended us to live like. And he was very practical. Very practical. He said, you know, if, if someone doesn't love you, then just love them anyway. Just very, very, very practical stuff. And so it is with Paul. He wrote some very practical things. And I want to I read just something from the book of Ephesians. Ephesians was a letter to a local church that Paul was writing to to help. And I want to read a very small account of that letter. 
In Ephesians 5 verse 15, Paul says, be very careful then how you live. That's pretty practical. Be careful. We're not talking about angels, demons, heaven and hell. This is a very practical teaching. Be very careful then how you live. Not as an unwise person, but as a wise person. Again, no red horses, black horses, demons, angels. It's very, very practical. He's telling us to be wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days in which we live are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And make music uh, from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I could go on and on and on. There's this incredible practical advice that Paul writes to the churches that he's writing to. And so here he just says, you know, be wise. And so I want to talk about some things tonight that can help hold us this Christmas period and not get caught up in the silly season. We can't stop the silly season. We can't stop people around us being silly, but we can do something about it for ourselves and our families. This is a drawing the line in the sand so that all the great things about Christmas can be our experience and all the silliness that is Christmas can be someone else's experience. Amen? And so my first thing I want to look at today is simply this. Be wise. This Christmas, number one, be wise. Just be wise. Too many people put themselves under immense stress at this time of the year in order to look successful and generous. You must think long term and not just about immediate gratification. And so when it comes to Christmas Day, don't try to be the hero because you've overspent this Christmas. Be wise. Be wise when it comes to spending your money. Christmas is a time where most people spend money they don't have on things they don't need for people they don't even like. Be wise this Christmas. Don't overspend. Set a budget, real practical stuff. Set a budget. When you set a budget, think of everything you want to buy. Everything from presents to food to decorations. And before you buy anything, add it all up and work out, can you afford what it is that you want to buy? And if you get it all together, I can't spend all that money, then get rid of the decorations. Maybe halve the food bill. Maybe not spend so much on the presents, whatever. Please don't look at me like I'm insulting your intelligence. I, know, I said this was simple. But if it's so simple, why do we get ourselves in so much trouble? I'm not asking whether you've heard this or not before. I'm asking whether you're doing it or not. So set yourselves a budget this year and don't use a credit card or payment plans to pay for Christmas this year. Don't spend money you don't have. Some say, well, I use, I use a credit card so I can get flybys and frequent flyer this. That's cool. But that's still no excuse to spend money that you don't have just so you can get some frequent flyers for a flight that you're not going to be able to afford to pay for anyway. So be wise this Christmas. Have a shopping list. They say people that go shopping without a list always spend more than they intended to. Have a shopping list. Okay, 
and stick to it. And if your kids are in the aisle and they want all those lollies and, you know, that's, that's designed, that's designed for you to buy things you didn't want while Johnny's waiting in line. This is my take on that. When you've got young kids, let them touch whatever they want. Let them smell them on the floor. Let them just make a real mess in the aisles and hopefully the shopping centres one day will get the message they shouldn't put them there. Stop putting pressure on the parents. That's what I say. Imagine if everyone just let their kids go crazy in the aisles. Like, Look, this is crazy. We've just got to get rid of them. Is that any good? Just a thought. Wouldn't that be good? You know, I remember being in America one time and we were wheeling Mitchell. We kind of stuck to our shopping list. It was awesome. Wheeling our kids. And all of a sudden, I thought, what's Mitchell eating? And he was eating a chocolate bar. And we did not buy him that chocolate bar. We didn't pay for that chocolate bar. But it wasn't just a chocolate bar he stole. He had a whole stash. I said, well done, son. <laughs> we had to go back to the shopping centre and give them all the, the booty back. Anyway, so be wise this Christmas. Talk about your financial position. If you're married, husband or wife, talk about your financial position. Don't just buy, talk about it. If you're not married, if, if you're younger and you're living with your parents, or whatever the case, talk to somebody about your financial position. Can I afford to buy what it is that I want to buy? I would suggest possibly that you have a one gift policy. You know what, as our, as our family has grown, with, there's, like a, there's like 11 rainbow kids these days. There's too, far too many, far too many rainbow kids. They're just running everywhere. Three of ours, there's three of Baz's, and Pete's got a thousand of them. I don't know, they're just everywhere. <laughs> Imagine buying presents for everyone, and then there's just a pressure. And we decided a long time ago, you know, if, we, if we're going to stay sane, and we're not going to go broke, we're just, we're just going to have a, a one gift policy. And so kind of all the names going to happen, whoever's name you pull out, that's the one you're buying a present for got to be secure to do this. And if you've got silly money and you've got lots of, that, that's fine. But I'm just talking about some people who really struggle at Christmas time. Some people are really struggling to get themselves under a heap of pressure. And this is what happens. We end up buying a heap of rubbish that our kids don't even want anyway. What you need to know is that most of your presents go in the bin anyway. So why do we put ourselves under so much pressure to buy things that we don't even want? So maybe get it down to a one gift policy and have a spending limit. Have a spending limit. Teach your kids the value of money. Uh, maybe some of those expensive items that they want. Like, I, 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 I want uh, an iPad. Well, that's cool, but there's, there's you know, X amount of $100. And then they want a puppy, and then they want this, and they want that, and they want a ball, and they want, they want everything. Just a, yeah, a ball. I don't know why I said that. Just, I was going <laughs> to... If they ever want a ball, go for the ball. <laughs> I don't know why I said a ball, but I was thinking basketball, soccer ball, whatever. A ball. <laughs> Just a net ball, I don't know, tennis ball. Every year we got a can of three tennis balls. Every year, because the kids growing up. We never played tennis, but we always got three tennis balls. You have to pop the top, that's like a can, remember that? Always got tennis balls. So it's just ingrained. <laughs> If you're struggling to pay for Christmas this year, maybe get rid of the tennis balls. 
Teach your kids the value of money. Money doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> oh, be wise. Be wise this Christmas. Got it? Second point. Be clear about your communication. Be clear about your communication. Don't assume anything this Christmas. Have conversations of clarity. World War Three has almost been started every Christmas time over people not being clear about expectations about Christmas time. In other words, say what you mean and mean what you say. And so please be a little bit more clear than this. Oh, you know what? Christmas Day, why don't you just come around whenever you want? Just come around. We'll be there. People say that all the time. And then you come around whenever you want because that's what they've said. But if you mean whenever, if you actually mean that, that's fine. But if you actually mean six o'clock, say six o'clock. Because you know how many family feuds have been started because so-and-so didn't come around six o'clock when they never said six o'clock, they said whenever. Just come around whenever. You know, you're welcome, just come around whenever. But in saying whenever, they actually had a time frame in mind. And people get upset and people get bitter and twisted and hurt. And all kinds of crazy because communication has not been clear. Be gracious, but clear. When dealing with two or three extended families, you'll never please everyone. Know that for sure. And so don't allow yourself to be emotionally manipulated. If you really loved us, you'd come to our house. We always go, you know what I'm on about? So be very clear this Christmas in your communication, particularly when dealing with families. Number three, be realistic about your expectations. This is a big one. Be realistic about your expectations this Christmas. Here's like, this is like a revelation from heaven. An angel gave me this thought. If your family doesn't get along at any other time during the year, They probably won't just because it's Christmas. An angel visited me and told me that. We have this expectation that Jingle Bells is going to fix all of our problems. We're going to put a turkey in the middle of that and it's just, you know, we haven't spoken all year. But somehow the turkey, when we bring the turkey out, it's just going to be peace is going to reign. And then we're going to do the bonbon. And by the time we crack a bonbon, put a hat, one of those stupid little hats on our head and read the stupid little joke and throw away the plastic toy, it's going to be peace on earth, goodwill to all men. The trouble is, if it wasn't peace on earth before, it probably won't be peace on earth at dinner time over the turkey. So you've got to be realistic about your expectations, again, particularly when it comes to family. So there's one thing I would suggest you do, and that is to reduce the conflict by being prepared. Wear a vest. A bulletproof one, no. Try to minimise the stress as much as possible by good planning. In thinking about topics of conversation, 
you might be able to have. Because what I've learned when it comes to families, there's certain things you're not allowed to say. <laughs> and you've got to try and, what, what is it we're not allowed to say again? What are we not allowed to talk about again? What can't we bring up? Can't bring up the war. We can't bring up the this. We can't bring up that. So, 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 so you know, if, you, if you're going to have any chance of going remotely smooth, just, just have a conversation. Okay, let's, let's, just, let's just direct our conversations. Or, or maybe if the conversations, no matter how well prepared you are, aren't going to go well. This is why I love cricket, because cricket's, cricket's a lifesaver. If you've got nothing to say, get whatever your newly <laughs> tennis balls that you've got in your stocking, grab a bat, get one of the wheelie bins and just bowl all afternoon. I mean, cricket is, is just... It's, it's a godsend. When you've got nothing to say, play cricket. Go for a walk. Give yourself something to focus on. Seriously, you're laughing at me. Better that than argue all afternoon. So it's a little bit awkward, Christmas. I know. <laughs> Tennis ball. Let's go play cricket. Be realistic about your expectations. Because by the time we've seen all the Christmas movies and happy families and massive Christmas trees, we get in the spirit of Christmas and it's like, and then we forget, oh, hang on, no, it's my family. So be realistic. Number four, be flexible. Assess your family traditions. This is a biggie. As family dynamics change, so will your traditions. I've shared this many, many times before, this thought. But in our home growing up, Christmas Day was really easy to organise because there wasn't grandkids, there wasn't in-laws, there wasn't outlaws, there was just... Mum, Dad, and the three rainbow boys, and, and we were typically English, and so that meant a big roast beef meal with Yorkshire pudding, and it was always around 12, 12.30. It was just like, that was Christmas for us, and that's, that, that's what I understood Christmas to be. And there was hell to pay if there was not a roast beef and Yorkshire pudding with roast potatoes and gravy and peas and... Oh. That, that was Christmas for us growing up. And it was always on the 25th of December. <laughs> but then I got married, which was a great decision. Pete got married, Baz got married, and it got more complicated. Our family dynamic changed, which means our... Traditions had to change. It's, it's really quite simple maths if you think about it. But do you know how many wars have been started over what we always used to do? Well, if you want to keep doing what you always did, then don't get married. Don't change anything. But don't expect to get married and have nothing change. I want to tell you, men, when you get married, everything changes. <laughs> and it's not all bad. It just has to be done differently. I mentioned before about it was always on the 25th of December and you laughed. But we do many Christmas dinners now that are not on the 25th of December because we just don't have the time to fit everything in yeah. and everyone in because the family dynamic has changed. And we've been very realistic about that and it's worked for us. 
And some people said, it's not on the 25th of December and it's not around our house and it's not like it used to be. And the que- the, it's, it's just not like it used to be. And you've got to get used to that. Is this helpful? So be flexible at Christmas. Number five, be thoughtful. Think of others. I think this is one of the greatest ways that we can show what Christianity really looks like. When we think of others. So you may be invited around your family and friends. They may not be Christians. You may not be in close relationship with them. That's fine. But you've been invited and you've said yes. Then be thoughtful. Be thoughtful. Don't just eat their food and run. Can I just say when it comes to thinking of others, don't be late. Being late is one of the rudest things you can ever do. Because when you are late, you're saying life revolves around me and my time. Being late is just so rude. So rude. If you've been told a time, get there, not on time, but get there just a little bit early. Don't be late. Offer to help and clean up. Offer to help and clean up. If you do that this Christmas, people might just say, my goodness me, there is a God. So you thought throwing, you know, whacking them with the Bible and giving them verses, you thought that was going to get them saved? No, 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 no. If you just actually act like a Christian, people might say, wow, what is this you teaching? You eat and you say thank you. Your children say please. Tell me more about this God you serve. And then, then, then they take their plate and they scrape all the stuff in the bin and they put their plate in the dishwasher. It's amazing. So tidy up. Take responsibility for your children. That thing they are jumping up and down on may be a trampoline to them, but to the owner of the house is a couch. <laughs> we say, oh, look at that. Isn't it cute? It's never cute when a kid is jumping up and down on someone else's couch. It's never cute. It's rude, it's wrong, and as parents, we need to stop it. We need to stop it. So be thoughtful this Christmas. Keep off the furniture. Number six, be happy. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, this is for all the Christians out there that are manifesting, so he hasn't even mentioned a scripture yet. So here's one just for you. God loves a cheerful giver. Whatever you do, be happy about it. Don't do it reluctantly. So if you've decided to go to someone's house that you'd rather not go to, having made the decision to go there, don't whinge and don't complain. Don't look at any husband or wife. Just look straight ahead right now. Don't nudge anybody. Having made the decision to go around Auntie Flo's this Christmas, just be happy about it. Make it work for you. Don't compete with others. Trying to outdo them by either spending more. This is, this is what often happens at Christmas. We either try and spend more to show off. That, that's one way people try and show off. The other thing we try and do is spend less by getting a bargain. 
And so if we, if, we can, if we can buy a gift that's cheaper than somebody else, and they get, if we get more expensive gift and spend less, it's like a win. Just let's get rid of the com- competition that's out there this Christmas and relax and be happy. Number seven, be consistent. God's priorities need to remain our priorities. There's lots of things at Christmas time that are vying for our time and attention. And just because it's Christmas, we should not let things in our life slip. Be that our church attendance, be that our manners, be that our generosity, be that our giving, be that our commitment to Christ, our reading of the Word, our devotional times and prayer life, those things should not slip just because it's Christmas, just because I'm a holiday, just because I'm a little bit full, just because I've drunk a little bit too much. Let God's priorities remain your priorities. Be consistent. There's something so wonderful about consistency. I I really do feel that the church's finest hour is right now if we could just be consistent. That we'd be the same person we are in church as we are out of church. Same person we are when we're at work as when we're on holidays. So can I encourage you to be consistent this Christmas? And just because the beer is flowing freely... It doesn't mean that you now have a reason to drink too much and get drunk and blame the person who put on the party. Because God's given us a little thing called self-control, but we must exercise it. So be consistent. When it comes to things like not getting drunk and not sleeping around and all those things that many people associate Christianity with, all the what you shouldn't do. Most people think that Christianity is what you shouldn't do, and that's why they're so miserable, because they're not allowed to do anything. That's what a lot of people think Christians are, miserable people, and why wouldn't you be happy, because you're not allowed to do anything. That's a terrible, a terrible misrepresentation of what Christianity is. God, in his love for us, gives us some guidelines to help us live the best possible life. And so when he says, you know, don't, don't get drunk on wine, as we read earlier in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, it's not that God's a party pooper. It's just that God wants to fill you with so much life that you don't need alcohol to have a great time. He wants to fill you with so much life that you don't need to alcohol to have a good time, which means you don't have to spend all that money to have a good time, which means that you can actually have a good time and remember it without the hangover. I mean, this is how much God loves us. That sounds like a God of love to me. So it's not that he doesn't want you to party. He's saying party, but how about you do it without the alcohol? How about do it and save some money at the same time? And how about have such a great time you can even remember it? That sounds like a God of love to me. Which is a far cry from, oh, with Christianity, you're not allowed to get drunk. It's It's a wrong standpoint of what Christianity is. Which brings me to our last point. We need the band to come up at this point in time. Number eight, be effective. 
John chapter 3, verse 16, which is one of the most widely known scriptures, even, even non-Christians know this scripture, it says, God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave. You know, in the world right now, there's about 7 billion people. That's a big number. But every number on the planet has a name and every name has a story. And every story matters to God. And every person that you're going to come in contact with this Christmas has a name, has a story. And their story matters to God. And my concern is that we can get so caught up in the silly season, so caught up with eating and drinking and being merry and getting presents that we can miss the people in the story. We can make Christmas more about presents and food and miss the people that gave you the presents or prepared the food. Christmas presents an incredible opportunity for us. And I would love every one of us that calls Victory Church home to make the very most of this opportunity and to be effective this Christmas and to look at the people in your world and to look at them as Christ would look at them. We've joked about our family members. We've joked about some of the things that take place around Christmas when it comes to people. And we need to laugh. But can I say, maybe, just maybe, God is wanting to change our hearts this Christmas. Maybe He's not just trying to change our behaviour, but maybe He's trying to go a little bit deeper this year and change our hearts. And be a little bit less superficial than we normally would be. And go just a little bit deeper with people and get into their world and to get into their minds and to get into their hearts this Christmas. And maybe get behind the facades and behind the masks. And you might find a person that really is wonderful and worth getting to know. See, on one occasion, there was this man, his name was Bartimaeus. They called him Bart for short. And he had a problem with his eyesight. In actual fact, he couldn't see at all. He was blind and he got teased. and He was known as Blind Bart. And, and I imagine as a kid growing up, he would have been teased and mocked and ridiculed. And there was this one moment in his life when Jesus was happening to just walk by. And he knew Jesus was walking by because he heard people talking about him. He couldn't see, but he could hear. And so he started shouting, Jesus, 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 I'm over here. Don't ignore me. I don't know what the population of the world was at that time, but there's still a large number. And within that large number, there was a man and his name was Bart. And he had a story. He was blind. And his story mattered to God. Didn't matter to those around about him. They told him to shut up, bunch, bunch, shut up, shut up, quiet. But Bart kept going. Not going to miss his moment. But what I love about this little moment in the life of Jesus as he was here on planet Earth is that as people were ignoring him and trying to quieten him down, Jesus went to him. 
and so made the most of that opportunity. Because within the crowd was a man who had a name, Bartimaeus, and he had a story. He was blind and that story mattered to God. It mattered enough for him to silence the crowd, ask what he wanted, to heal him of his blindness and to bring hope and restoration to this man's life. Maybe, just maybe, this year, 2013, is our moment in time to help the Bartimaeus's, the Bartimaeus's, Bart's in our life. But just imagine if Jesus got so caught up with the crowd and so caught up with what other people were doing, he would have missed that moment. And it's my fear that with all that goes on with, with Christmas time, with Rudolph and Santa and trees and jingle bells and, and all these wonderful things that are going on. And wow, look at the lights. It's amazing. I mean, miss people. Hey, I'm not against the lights. I'm not against jingle bells. We will definitely take our kids as we do as a bit of a tradition of ours down to the brewery lights and have a look. I'm not against that. But it's not about that. Let us not get so caught up this year in the trappings of Christmas that we miss the point of Christmas. That we forget the reason of the season and that is God so loved this world that He gave of heaven's best. He didn't just give the cheap little toy out of the bonbon. He gave heaven's best. And I think the people in our world deserve our best. Can you imagine this Christmas if every one of us just bought one of our friends, just bought one of our family members, bought one of those people from our workplace and exposed them to all this? and gave them an opportunity to see that there is a God that loves them. And there is a community of people called the church that loves them and welcomes them and wants to help them, to get to know them. Because I think deep down inside of every person, that's what they want more than the car, the pool, the boat, or the ball. I think what people really crave more than anything else is a relationship with other people. And the reason I know that is because that's what God craves and we were created in His image. I mean, let's do the maths. Loneliness and depression is on the rise at Christmas time and so is suicide. Because there's no celebration in loneliness. There's no celebration in depression. And some can't stand it to the point they take their own life. And that's a tragedy and a travesty. And that's why we, the church, exist. Hey, let's be wise. Let's be realistic this year. Let's be flexible. Let's be all those things I've mentioned. But let us not overlook this. Let's be effective this Christmas. Let's make the most of this opportunity. Let's grab Christmas 2013 by the scruff of the neck and use it to love on people.
We've placed a flyer on some of the chairs. We've run out of our original run, but we'll get some more flyers. We need to get those flyers in the hands of the right people and let people know that there's an event that we are putting on, tailor-made for them. If you are visiting for the first time here tonight and you're not familiar with church life, I want you to know when we were putting this building together and there was a lot of work that went into this, we had you in mind. We built a nice big auditorium because we saw lots and lots of people, not just a handful, we saw lots and lots of people. We had George in mind. We didn't even know who George was, but there's lots of Georges out there. And we wanted a facility that we could house lots of people and we could do events specially tailored for youth and specially tailored for women and specially tailored for men. We wanted an auditorium so big we could put a boxing ring in, that we could have beer and that we could have blokes nights. That's what we saw. But not just to be different, but so that we could reach the precious people of our community. Let's be effective this year. Let's not miss this opportunity. Let not this just be another Christmas of jingle bells, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Father Christmas, brewery lights, and then we go home and talk about the family. And there's another year, I'm glad that's over. And then have to pay it off. Imagine if we never spend a cent on our family. Because let's face it, most of our family's got everything anyway, really. But imagine if we just extended love and grace to those who are less fortunate, those who have never had the opportunities that we've had. Now, I'm not saying you should do that and you shouldn't give to your family. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying we need to approach Christmas differently. I think for many of us, we get in a rut and we miss the purpose. And every one of us in this room is getting older. And what we don't want to have is Christmas come and Christmas go and Christmas come and Christmas go and miss these moments. And this is not about getting family and friends to an event so that they can just be part of our church. It's about bringing them here so that relationships can be started and friendships can be formed. This is, not about, this is not a numbers game. We're not here to say, look how many people we have in our church. That's not the point. It's about opportunities for relationships to be formed, friendships to be formed, lives to be changed, opportunities to showcase the incredible change that's taking place in our lives through our knowledge and understanding and relationship with Christ that the questions may flow. I'll never forget the night, or the morning, sorry, that Norm stood up on this stage. He'd been coming to our church over a year, very much the atheist, very much far from God, very cynical, very hurt, very bitter, very twisted about the church. And he had his reasons for that. But there was a moment in his life where the church was able to display a kindness upon him as he went into hospital. And many ladies in this church just cooked and gave meals for Norm and his family at that time. And because he'd been coming here on a regular basis, he just wanted to 
say thank you to the ladies. He didn't want to give his life to Jesus. He didn't want to know God, but he just wanted to say thank you as a respect and appreciation for what he saw. And so he came up on stage and I think there were six or seven ladies that he wanted to honour and he gave them flowers, which was a bit of a girly thing to do, Norm, I thought. But anyway, oh, there he is. I'm looking for you. They're right there. Okay. And he said his thank yous and he was standing just about here, I think it was. And he said, many of you would know me as the guy that doesn't believe in God and I want you to know nothing's changed. He's like, oh my gosh. And I'm sitting up on stage thinking, this is probably the worst thing I've ever done. Get the atheist with a microphone on the stage. Oh, what was I thinking? Because in church, we like things to go nice. We want things to go well. God forbid, you know, just things don't go to plan. But then he said something so profound, and I think it's probably the most profound thing that's ever been shared from this stage. He said, many of you know that I'm not a Christian and I'm not, but I've seen an incredible display of kindness and I want to say thank you. And this is, this is the thing he said. I don't believe in God, but if God does exist, I believe he dwells amongst you lot. Which is pretty bad English and rude. <laughs> And in that moment, I thought, wow. That's why we're here. To create moments like that. Now, not everyone's going to get up on stage and have the opportunity to say that. But we want hundreds, we want thousands of people to be able to come to the realisation like Norm, that even if you don't believe in God, you can sense something of the God-likeness in the people of this church that you can sense a warmth and acceptance, a love and appreciation for who you are as a person because every one of us has been created in the image of God whether we're serving Him and following Him or not. We've all been created in His image and that's worthy of showing respect and honour. And we have that opportunity to bestow that honour on every person that's been created in His image. And I think, well, what could the world look like if we extend that kind of kindness instead of get your hair cut, stop smoking, stop swearing, give your life to Jesus, get baptised, get to a connect group and then we we'll, might get to know you. I think we've got to back to front this whole thing of you've got to behave and then believe and then you can belong it's the wrong way around this church we want to be a place where you can belong in spite of what you believe that you can belong Norm sensed that belonging. Not as a believer, but as an unbeliever. He sensed the belonging. I, I don't know if he was swearing much at the time. I don't know what, I don't know a lot of stuff that he was doing. 
I don't know. If you, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. But nothing would surprise me with you, Norm. I don't know. But he definitely felt, sensed the belonging. And then surprise, surprise, after 18 months of coming to this church, there was a shift in his believing. But it was belonging before believing. He belonged. His eyes were opened. He began to believe in something he said, I never believe in. He'd seen the evidence of a God at work in people's lives. It's not a blind faith. He saw an evidence of it. So he belonged, then he believed, and then guess what? His behavior changed and continues to change. I mean, to, to know Norm now, it's like, if you've only, if you've only met Norm now, like, you, you don't know Norm. I mean, he's always crying now, and he's... <laughs> he used to be so tough and angry. Now he's soft and cries all the time. What's that about? Like a big baby. I mentioned I shared this message a few years ago. I never shared the same message twice. Because I never shared any of this. Indeed, most of what I shared tonight was just me doing what I did tonight. But let me start how I finished. No, let me finish how I started. <laughs> I love Christmas. I love it because of the holidays, because of the summer, because of cricket, because of the presents, because of the food. I, I do. And the lights and the traditions and the family. I do. But the most exciting, for me, exciting thing for me at Christmas is the opportunity to showcase a Christ to a world that is just a little bit more open at this time than any other time. And we need to make the most of that opportunity, church. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au.